Hello everyone and welcome all of you to Nikki Lyle Creative Presents with Industry Leaders, where today I'm joined by special guests Kate and Emily, who are founders of Sunder and Tell. Um, welcome both of you, thank you so much for joining me. So if you wouldn't mind just uh, quickly introducing yourselves. Of course, thank you, Nikki. Hi, I'm Kate. I'm one of the co-founders of Sondra and Tell and here with Emily, who's the other co-founder. Um, as a quick intro to what we do, we are a brand um, strategy, content and communications agency, but we specialize in words. So we, I, in terms of kind of deliverables as marketing people like to talk, um, we specialize in copywriting, um, brand positioning and story um, and tone of voice, but we actually end up solving all sorts of brand problems with words, whether that's a brand that can't think of um, their main point that they want to be getting across or haven't quite crafted their tone and they don't have consistency in their messages. Um, we work with brands including Bumble, Root Health and Lick, a kind of real range of um, consumer facing brands at early stage and later as well. So that's us in a kind of nutshell. My first question for you both is, is there a defining moment that you decided that you wanted to work with words? Um, I think, I think both of us have always been sort of readers and writers. We both have diaries kind of full of, um, <laughs> sort of musings from nine-year-old Kate and Emily. Um, and I have an entry that says like, I want to either be a pop star or a journalist. So I think we both always kind of knew we wanted to work with words. Um, I think it was probably our first job suitcase where we started to kind of um, see the power in words. But actually I'd say for myself, it was probably actually setting up Sondra and Tell and kind of having this laser focus on words where we kind of figured out actually all we want to do is work with words. Cause I think with our kind of previous roles, it was a lot of sort of brand building. I was brand director, Kate was editor in chief. So there was like lots of things going on, but I think kind of having a laser focus at Sondra and Tell kind of helped us figure out that what we wanted to do was all about words. I don't know if you're the same, Kate. Yeah, I think, no, I definitely agree with Emily in that I think we've both kind of always been into stories and read a lot, wrote a lot as kids. I was thinking about this and I had this weird memory of being at school and um, my friend and I were drinking innocent smoothies and um, obviously <laughs> everyone knows their tone of voice they have on the bottom, like, don't look at my bottle and things like that. Just this really chatty, friendly tone. And we wrote to them, <laughs> we wrote to innocent um, and signed off from pie face and tea cake and anyway they replied to us and were like oh we've just eaten two of your friends for lunch um and I was just and I remember being like I guess I didn't clock it at the time because I was 12 or actually probably too old to be doing that um but I think that's probably the first interaction I had with a kind of brand being like oh they almost feel like they're a human and if we write to them they respond in this kind of tone of voice and I didn't obviously didn't clock at the time and be like brand tone of voice is what <laughs> I want to do. I think it's late that kind of must have started this sort of chain of train of thought. Mm. Uh, well, I remember Innocent as well, um, discovering them as a brand and their tone of voice and everyone went just bonkers for them. Yeah, yeah I think kind it of... felt quite fresh at the time. And I know now people sort of almost, they can have a bit of a backlash against them. Lots of people have tried to almost copy that tone, but that original voice is still so, uh, clever and well done yeah no I agree um so how did you initially start out as content creators so you both met at suitcase 
Yeah, we actually met at, we both studied Spanish at um, university and we both did a year abroad in Barcelona and two we had a mutual friend who put us in touch and how we started kind of, we started writing together as so we started a column, which was kind of based on life in Barcelona. And then when Kate moved to Madrid, it was kind of one part Madrid, one part Barcelona. Um, and so we kind of had that experience quite early on um, of having to create content every week that was kind of different and exciting for an audience that maybe wasn't entirely in Barcelona as well. Um, so I think that was our first kind of content creation together. Um, but I'd done like school papers and magazines and that type of thing, um, kind of all throughout my childhood and university. I think at the time though, I never would have called it kind of content creating what we were doing suitcase. Yeah, I true. thought of it as kind of journal of, of well, it was journalism and I guess now we can look at it and be like, of course, you're creating content for an editorial publication. But I think the kind of language of being a content creator, I've only really, we've only really started using since setting up Sonder and Tell, which I think there's kind of definitely a difference between journalism and then content creation in terms of the kind of tone and the way you approach things. But I definitely, that was our first kind of foray into writing. Um, mm. I think also at Suitcase, there was, I then... Um, helped Suitcase set up their content creation agency. So as while Kate was kind of editor-in-chief of the magazine and writing um, kind of for the print publication, I think that was probably my first experience of like real content creation where you have like clients that you had to create content for. Um, so yeah, Suitcase was definitely also became that split between like journalism and content creation. But now they kind of all seem like they're part of mm. one thing and I think probably journalists hate that but it's, it's that word true. content that kind of <laughs> means everything but nothing at the same time sometimes um but yeah yeah well, this is it like content and content creation it seems to be a word that's batted about all the time and it's like well what does it actually mean you know and and what content are brands uh, creating and how are they communicating and as we know there's so many different mediums and it's trying to guide them with what that could be for them I thought that was really interesting like your your background in Spanish is like one of the questions I prepared and, and how that linked with what you're doing today and so that's quite interesting so that's initially how you met through a love of language but a foreign language almost yeah I'd never thought of it like that but it sounds kind of romantic, romantic in that sense um but yeah I guess studying a different language is a kind of tone of voice thing as well it's like how do you translate when you're speaking in a language that's not yours and even things like when I was when well I feel like Emily feels the same when you're in Spain it's very in speaking Spanish which like we're now kind of both rusty at but at the time it's very hard to almost have a sense of humor in a foreign language because all your references are so kind of British and then I just always felt like I was really serious when I was speaking Spanish because could never quite like land the joke um, so it's kind of also a, I guess there's an interesting thing in tone of voice there and how language translates across um, yeah literal languages but also different brands so at what point did you decide that you wanted to set up Sondra and Tell? I think after we'd been at Suitcase for around I think it was five years we'd been kind of in between university and kind of going full-time it was around five years um, and it was a time when everyone was kind of throwing around this word content and it was still it was kind of 
everyone was talking about it. Everyone was just saying, we need content, we need content, um, but not sort of thinking about what that voice needed to be um, behind the brand, what the content was actually going to say. And we were very used to sort of travel content, which ended up kind of sounding the same and being about exactly the same thing. So all the kind of travel cliches and that type of thing. And so through that, we started having conversations about actually brands really need to find like a positioning for their content. They need to be able to sort of add value, not just add to the noise of kind of everything else that's out there, especially when you've got sort of brands creating the same content as publications and it's kind of why would you go to a brand when you could you know read the new york times or whatever so we started having all these conversations about kind of how to create content um that cuts through the noise essentially that was kind of the first line that we went after um and through that started having conversations about starting our own agency after suitcase and I think there was also that drive of kind of taking all these, well, Emily was already on the brand side a bit more at the suitcase agency, but taking these kind of editorial skill set of interrogating a brief and interviewing and asking questions and um, having a certain angle and applying that to brand copy and almost interrogating it and having that kind of journalistic approach was an interesting um, proposition at the time as well. And what were the early days of Sundra and Tell like? <laughs> Um, kind of like what did we do in those I early know. days because we had, we, had but we always felt very busy <laughs> but I don't know what we were doing I think we were quite good at sort of um having like full days working on the project um I think what really helped is almost we we always knew that we wanted to create a brand around Sondra and Tell so we always knew that we wanted our own content our own kind of um journal our own newsletter our own branding and we always knew that it wanted we wanted it to be an agency rather than just us two going freelance so I think we spent a lot of that those kind of early times thinking about what our brand would be which I think kind of helped when we didn't have like loads of clients lined up and that kind of thing um so I think it was a lot of kind of thinking and developing our own idea and kind of our own offering to agencies and how we could kind of stand out because there are obviously so many agencies out there yeah and yeah then, sorry sorry carry on no I was just going to say one of the things we did fairly early on is um we had a conversation with a brand strategist who helped us sit down and kind of um, put some words and language around who we want our target audience to be, what we think our kind of value proposition um, was and what kind of brand culture that we wanted to create. And it, I think it really helped, even though they were still very ideasy, but just having a kind of blueprint in words and a few statements to then guide um, how we started pitching ourselves out or how we wanted to develop services. And it's, I was thinking about it earlier, but it's quite similar also to what we advise founders or um, marketing directors to start doing early as well as get things down in words and once you have a language or a sentence and you can say something in a in a kind of succinct way then it just makes things click a little bit more and you kind of have this um launch pad to go off of so starting with the with roughly the words even if you change them later was really helpful i think to kind of get that down yeah and even even actually with sorry even with um 
we started the agency thinking that we were going to be all around like content creation and kind of helping brands create content. And through that session, we came to something like we help, I think it's what we still use kind of today. We help brands find their voice. And so actually it kind of steered our agency in a different direction than we've been talking about originally. So it kind of went from content creation to actually helping brands find their voice. And that was really useful in the early stages because it kind of helped set us apart from other sort of full service content agencies. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of the things about Sunder and Tell that really stands out is if you look at your brand and how you've positioned yourself and how you created that brand, everything from your website to your social media, to the newsletter which we'll get on to later but um you can tell you've worked really hard actually to, to, for what you produce for yourselves which is part of attracting good clients as well and the devil really is in the detail and i i honestly think you've really nailed that with your own branding and from what i've seen and it's always really worth doing that because i know that when a lot of um agency startup they don't always focus on that stuff to do with their own brand but i think it's really worth that in the beginning to establish who you are um and package yourself up properly yeah, yeah i think it's sure. also just something to show potential clients because it's not like we had emily had a bit of agency background but it's not like we kind of set things up with this big bank of um clients who are moving with us it was very much going out there having conversations and trying to build up a um, network and leads that way so but I think having so um, I don't, for people that don't know we have a kind of interview platform where we interview at the beginning it was more journalists and authors but now it tends to be more marketing directors brand directors about storytelling um, so at the beginning we'd interviewed people like Dolly Alderton um, who you know some contacts that we had from suitcase and it was quite useful ace having that to kind of spend our time on when we weren't super busy, but also just showing people that we were about stories and that kind of thing. So they kind of got a sense of what we we're about before we had a really solid kind of case study to show. Mm. And how do you attract your clients? <laughs> I Sorry, um, you go. No, there's lo I think there's lots of different ways that we attract clients. I think at the beginning, it was very much sort of, any friends of friends that were starting businesses and kind of needed copy or a bit of strategy. Um, we, yeah, we got some, we luckily got some good clients very early on, which kind of helped us grow and kind of shape our business too. Um, I think now there's like kind of different ways. It's either kind of referrals from other brands, um, our own kind of marketing. So, podcasts that kind of thing and also our newsletter and content so even just as Kate was saying sort of interviewing marketing directors having that kind of um, community of marketing directors and a culture of storytelling I think draws um, other marketing directors to our brand which is kind of was always the plan in the, <laughs> in the first place and our newsletter as well as you mentioned um, was always a tool to cut to show clients kind of our thinking our strategy our storytelling and what we were all about and it has actually definitely led to clients um but as kate was saying it's putting out things that people enjoy and kind of then encourage them to 
want you to do it for them too. So it's like a great newsletter will then lead to a brand mm -hmm. wanting us to do a newsletter for them. Great journal content shows that we can come up with a strategy for your brand. So all of that, even just like writing our own story, having a great pitch deck shows that we can do that for other clients. So I think that has been kind of our strategy from the beginning. Yeah, because I think now we're getting good referrals and word of mouth, but that's taken about three years. Um, so it takes a while to build up that kind of reputation where people are passing you on and uh, we have this great project to speak to speak to Sondra and Tells. But in the meantime, the newsletter and having those tools has been really helpful. And it's kind of something that you own the direction on as well. Um, yeah. Also, I was going to say, I think having a niche quite early on was quite useful for us too, because I think if we'd, for example, been a creative agency or a full service content agency, I'm not sure um, content would immediately bring up S&T, but because we kind of decided to go after tone of voice and brand story, it meant that actually a lot of people would, you know, really early on someone um, that Kate knew from um, a swimming group she was in was talking about content and tone of voice and Kate got us into an article on the FT because of that courier came to us and like asked us for tone of voice advice so it was almost by having that niche that um, we could promote and kind of focus on and talk about meant that people kind of came to us to talk about that um, and kind of I think not obviously it's not like tone of voice Sondra and tell but um, it helps to kind of have that focus for us yeah it's kind of a thought leadership piece I guess in that sense you just get associated with certain parts rather than I guess if you're a full service agency then you could have lots of different entry points but we made a decision quite early on that we didn't want to try and tackle being everything and that we wanted to do the words and do them really well and I think just over time that's um that's what we've been known for yeah it's really smart as well to interview um like marketing directors and key people in the industry that you want to hear from and share their story because when I set up uh, industry leaders in the first lockdown, I didn't um, do any business development, but all my jobs have come through directly because mm. of industry leaders. And I've realized the real value of doing that actually is, um, you know, interested people are interesting. If you show an interest and you're sharing other people's ideas and content, and that's how I initially discovered Sondra and Tells because you'd mentioned about a talk I'd done with Vicky Ross and, and Vicky Ross is someone that, we all love in the industry because she's so generous and because she shares so much content and, and other people's projects, isn't she? She's great. And then she gets so much herself because of that. Um, and I think that is a good way to attract clients as well, being a bit of a magnetic pull because of what you're putting out there. And it does take time. As you said, it's taken a few years for you to get to where you have. And, and this is something I try to, explain to people all the time it's not an overnight thing you don't set up an agency and and set up a website and all the clients come running to you it just doesn't happen like that definitely not <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think all of our stuff took like I think did we launch the newsletter when Kat joined Kate yeah so that yes. was what, two two and a bit years in that we did that but we had a sign up to our newsletter button on on our website <laughs> since the beginning we just hadn't actually got around to kind of conceptualizing it so um yeah that was two years in and I think yeah that will now be four years this year um but at the beginning it felt more I think like we were kind of going freelance together the two of us and then has just become this 
um, business, which is partly just us getting a bit bigger and having bigger clients, but also us kind of um, making us treat it a bit more like that, I think as well. Um, so that's been useful. What's the reason behind the name Sondra and Tell? So we took, uh, it took us a really long time to land on the right name, which I think is probably just a product of having an agency that's all about words and then putting all this pressure on yourself to be like, but this is your name. It's like the words, you've got to get them right. Um, we came across the word Sonder um, in the, I don't know if you know the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, but it's this project that an American linguist called John Koenig set up to put words and language to obscure human emotions that haven't got a word for them yet. Um, and he, one of the words in there was Sonder, and it's that moment of realisation that everyone has their own story. So um, in a pre-COVID world, you would have got it when you're riding the bus and you look around and you're like, oh, this person has a mum, or I wonder what they're thinking about, or, you know, that person looks sad, that kind of thing, where you kind of have this, um, you build out everyone's imaginary world for yourself. So uh, the idea was that everyone has their own story and we help them tell it. Um, so it's kind of that dreaminess of storytelling, but also the quite directness of something like tell. Um, and that was, that was what we landed on, but it took us a long time. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I remember discovering that word Sonder, actually, like you say, when you look at pers a person and you imagine up until that point that they might be in their 20s or 30s, they've had a whole life and a history mm. of, that they've lived. And at that moment, you've met them in that realisation. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe there's a word for that. So that makes so much sense, Sonder and Tell. OK. Yeah, I think <laughs> everyone's experienced it. They just don't know, didn't have the word for it. That's yeah, and you feel strange. It's like, am I thinking this obscure thought? And then all of a sudden, you discover there's a word Sonder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There are lots of German words, like great German words for um, kind of obscure emotions and things that you haven't thought of before. I really like that exercise of kind of trying to name things. That... Oh, there's one called, um, in Germ German, there's a word called earworm, which is when you can't get a song out of your head. Oh, yeah. Which is so good. Yeah, it makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what advice would you give to any juniors that are listening? I was thinking about this. I was, we were kind of having a conversation about this the other day. I think personally, to get into copywriting, um, we've actually just gone through a hiring process, which wasn't actually for a junior, but kind of have been speaking to lots of people as a result of that. And I think showing like this really keen enthusiasm for copywriting is so key to get into this industry. Because I think some people kind of think of copywriting as like, oh, I'm a writer and like, I'd like to try some copywriting. Whereas actually the people that have kind of um, really dug into like what copywriting entails, like who are the copywriters that you should look up to, like a Vicky Ross. Um, do you have like a folder of copy from all these different brands that you can draw on? Um, can you think about copy in a strategic way? Um, not just like creating, you know, sort of playful lines, but what's the tone of voice behind it? So I think for like specifically getting into copywriting, I think it's sort of getting into the world of copy and showing that you've got this like keen interest in all different parts of it. Um, but that's like specifically for copywriting. Yeah, I think, I guess our paths were quite unconventional that we did a bit of journalism first and I wouldn't necessarily say follow that. Um, I guess there are kind of two ways in. One is 
looking at roles and agencies but I also think there's something to be said this is could be copywriting but in terms of perhaps um content and marketing more generally into going into a startup that's quite early stage and if you're a good writer just making a real case for words to be at good words to be kind of every touch points I think that's part of what we argue for it's like yes writing shouldn't just be on your marketing team it should also be um or good writing your customer service team also need to know how to use your tone of voice and to write really well as well so if you're a good writer can get into a startup and can yes contribute to marketing but also kind of customer service or different parts of the business and make a case for words across the whole kind of shebang then I think that's also quite powerful um yeah so kind of two different ways so I guess wouldn't discount going into a startup as well and just writing in every way you can there yeah I was also just going to say I think um writing exercises because I was even having a conversation with my mom yesterday in the sense of like even at suitcase because I was kind of brand director and then content director I didn't actually write every single day because I was doing so much other things and it was only at Sondra and Tal that I started kind of writing every single day it was like 90% of um my day and my writing has got so much better as a result and just kind of practice it and I think sometimes um if you don't have a job on or if you don't have if you're freelance for example not you kind of get stuck in this rut of not writing and I think finding writing exercises to do brand exercises what was the thing you did you said the other day the um the one minute briefs that are online all of those kind of creative fun exercises I think are really good to practice and it's also something really great to show if you go into an interview that you kind of have this practice of writing in your own time because when we were interviewing people it wasn't like oh what's you know the biggest campaign that you've done that's had the most sort of um views and had this success or whatever it was more kind of looking at the writing that people have done whether that's kind of in their own time and with their own imagination or for a big you know global client so I think having yeah practice and having a practice it's such a muscle I think writing and I think sometimes the kind of perceptions of what it means to be a quote-unquote writer is like writing when you feel inspired and when the moment strikes you (laughs) actually if you want to be a copywriter you have to write every day and you have to be churning out like headlines or stories whatever it is so getting into the um, habit of like Emily said writing every day and even when you don't massively feel like it, but you have to, is really important because it is a lot of it is just really hard work and keeping pushing ideas until you get to the kind of best possible sentence rather than feeling, oh yes, like now I now I shall sit down and write. Um <laughs> with, so, my quill. <laughs> with my quill. Yeah, exactly, like Shakespeare. So um yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so right there when you say about writing as being something that you have to practice every day. It's almost like drawing, you know, if you're going to practice sketching every day, you're going to become better at your craft as well. Um, what do you think of the phrase, read until you're full, write until you're empty? Oh, I've never had that before. That's nice. Yeah, I also reading. Yeah, we always say when you read, it just gives you, but it's almost, I think often a lot of people think of the reading as like reading novels and reading um kind of beautiful but we also um yeah kind of reading every single thing you can like signs and like back of pack on a I don't know ketchup or um the micro copy that pops up when you like go on the wrong page of a website all of that stuff like reading and absorbing all of that 
stuff is really important too. But yeah, definitely reading is kind of, if you can't, also if you can't write, just reading something else and using that as an inspiration is always just super yeah. helpful. <laughs> I was going to say that, write till, write till you're empty and then start reading again. Because I think writing till you're empty, the best way to overcome sort of writer's block is to read something else and get an idea and be like, oh, okay, that, but riff off it and um, yeah, make definitely. it your own. Because I've uh, created a, a freelance uh, document recently and I asked Vicky Ross for some advice for freelancers and she said, you know, make sure you read, you need to put words in to then, oh, she said it in much more of an eloquent way, <laughs> and then to, to obviously then the words can come out. So, um, and it was a junior copywriter that actually said that to me. The, the read until you're full, write until you're empty, because I asked some advice for a talk I was writing and it took me ages. And then I realized actually, if I just absorb and keep reading, 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 and then you just start writing, mm. you kind of, um, is it the minestrone soup analogy that you used? In oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Putting all the ingredients in and then whittling it down. It does depend on the type of writer you are though as well because I think I'm definitely a kind of write till I'm empty get everything out and then pull things back whereas I think Emily actually I think because you're more of a strategist um I was listening to a podcast the other day that was like you're either a writer who can strategize or a strategist who writes and I think Emily's probably more of a strategist who writes so you almost get the idea really tight and then you start writing mm. whereas I'm definitely more like have a six page draft and then like delete so it's interesting how different people approach the task of kind of writing and messaging mm, definitely so when you were hiring um recently what were you really looking for from these individuals um what were the main kind of three key things that you were looking for i think the main oh sorry you go no i was just going to say the number one i think is just the the ability to write diff and in different tones as well so I think versus kind of a journalist who um, spends a lot of time crafting their own voice I think the difference between a really bad and a really good copywriter is someone who can switch between different tones and language um, so that and kind of having a nearly nerdy interest in how you craft a sentence or how you tighten things and um, I think that was the main thing also this kind of adaptability and self-starterness um, just because we're still small and still kind of growing and adapting our services ourselves um, but Emily probably has something to add to that as well. I was also just going to say the ability to kind of think strategically about copy um, as I think there's sometimes a tendency to kind of write write things that like sound good or kind of are playful or make people laugh or kind of are great lines but actually when you kind of look behind those words it's like is the strategy there and even though that's kind of my job is to kind of think of the strategy behind the words um i like we were looking for someone that could kind of think on both those levels um and be able to think strategically about the coffee and kind of be able to absorb a tone of voice absorb a story and be and be able to write copy that kind of laddered up to that essentially um and i think also just creativity we set a um we set a task as the kind of last um last thing that we did and it was about creating um we said to either pick a brand or imagine a brand and kind of write their covid comeback story um so yeah some people did 
did people do travel like travel cinemas um that kind of thing and how someone could apply their creativity to come up with a story and kind of come up with a um thing that people could rally behind was really interesting so i think creativity as well obviously but and then maybe also just that ability or receptiveness to being edited as well so we do quite a lot of writing in teams um kind of brainstorming phrases together or pushing things back and forth between um emily or myself so i think that as well not being too precious about your favorite sentence um is important <laughs> yeah that's such a great brief as well like a, a covid comeback story about some quite interesting stories there that was yeah yeah definitely and it was also interesting because some people like went to the negative so some people were like still talking about um covid and kind of the effects of covid and some people did the positive so it was like when it's all over and it's just it was actually quite an interesting exercise to see and yeah to kind of how people approached it yeah definitely um so how have you found this last year i know it's a tough question right it's like always yeah it kind of just feels like normal life yeah it kind of feels like normal life now um i think kate always says that in i think the first like five six months we were not in panic mode as in we were panicked in the team but we were kind of survive, pulled the parachute yeah survival mode and kind of taking everything we could like thinking that we didn't have enough things coming in but actually we're completely fine so I think it was almost just a as with everything else um going on at the time we were just kind of feeding off that energy that sort of anxious energy that was in the air um but I think it's had yeah it's had like good and bad effects on our business um but I think all in all it's actually been okay for us yeah I think quite a, a quite a few brands have used um at the beginning anyway there was a sense of like oh we've got a bit of extra time before we go back to normal obviously we still haven't gone back to normal but there was a sense that let's use this time to work on some of our internal um stories communication um which i think was useful for us and then also i guess communications especially digitally are more important than ever with brands kind of not having those um real life points of sale in in shops or events like they usually would um and quite a lot of brands have kind of ended up developing this direct to consumer offering which they didn't have before because they were being sold through bars restaurants um travel airlines so that's been um an opportunity i guess um but yeah it took us a while to be like okay let's not just kind of have a scarcity mindset and take everything but let's think what we want to be taking on and how we want to be trying to grow in it as well um but it's good like our team's been our team's been very adaptable i think writing especially lends itself to working from home and having those quiet moments um that was probably a challenge i think balancing working remotely but also making sure you build in time for brainstorms and trying to do some kind of team culture um digitally so mm. yeah i found it was one of the few sectors where uh clients were still looking for people was copywriters because they were mm. like well, how how do we communicate with people that Definitely. are on social media like help us um how can we navigate through this where we're not seen as like opportunists that are being really insensitive because there are a few ads that came out that everyone's like oh you've released that and they were like oh no we don't want to be um that agency or that brand that, that does that so and it almost like there were some brands that felt stifled to make a, a wrong move and others that were like 
tentatively trying to create something um, and looking for copywriters to kind of lead them through that process of how to communicate with words. Yeah, yeah I think even just like the conversation, sorry, Kate, even the conversation around like unprecedented as a word was almost a conversation starter for us because it was everyone was talking about every brand saying like unprecedented times and like what was the actual unique way that a brand would deliver that message? Um, how did you kind of say that in your tone of voice? How did you have your own unique spin on it? It was like quite a good conversation starter for us at the time. Um, again not to like capitalize on the situation but i think it was i think it was a situation that kind of threw everyone out of whack and also made people start rethinking um kind of their approach and their positioning as well i think it also made people think about the future a lot more in terms of like god we were so unprepared for that um how do we start thinking about the future and kind of how do we create a brand story that's kind of future proof and all of that type of stuff um yeah. And us too, I think we've been doing some insights work with a future strategist um, lately, which I don't know if we would have done pre pandemic, but even for us as well, it's like, okay, how do we build in longevity to these strategies that we're building for brands and what's the future of agency models and things like that? I don't actually know the answer to that, obviously. So <laughs> don't ask that yeah. question, but um, good to have that mindset of questioning what's going to be around. Yeah. I think also also when you were saying about the reading thing it was reminding me of um so as kate said we've been doing this training with um this woman called jill the future thief um and one of the exercise and we went to her because of covid because we were like actually we need to be prepared for the future we need to be able to stay relevant and one of the exercises that's kind of really influenced us was this disruption diary where we had to read things that were sort of out of our echo chamber so it wasn't just because all of us kind of read the same thing so it's like the new york times the atlantic the cart like all of these things that we're kind of getting all of our um kind of personal news from but actually her whole thing was kind of how do you disrupt your reading patterns how do you disrupt not necessarily just reading it was like can you go for a walk in a different way can you talk to the um butcher when you get your meat like how do you disrupt your daily consumption to kind of broaden your mind and have new ideas and things that are sort of out of your um out of your ordinary so that was the really interesting thing that came out of that training yeah definitely i'm very intrigued to find out once we're um meeting again in things like the pubs because we've obviously all gravitated towards our own echo chambers of um you know content that we want to be absorbing and we can so easily do that especially some of us are responding in in different ways some of us are happy to just watch the news all the time some of us are swerving it and trying to focus on more positive things but i do wonder because these conversations haven't been happening like in the pub where you overhear something you're like, oh hang on that's a bit off where people aren't managing to to exchange dialogue with people that aren't necessarily within their inner circles I just wonder who we're going to mm -hmm. meet at the other side, you know, you, people <laughs> I know and how we, how we're going to communicate. <laughs> yeah. Or just this, this like rabbit warren of um, a certain view and social media keeps, as we know, Facebook through the algorithm, feeding them that information and those articles all the time and um, how that's affected everybody. That's yeah, I think Kate time. said as well with COVID um, it's, because I think I went through a period where I was just like, oh, I can't deal with, I can't deal with the news. I'm just going to shut everything off and sort of live in my own bubble because I feel better there. And almost during COVID, it has been a bit of a protection thing. And I kind of, I do understand that because it's when you've got all of these 
I don't know, like mm. even I picked up a book the other day and the first page was so um, sort of dark and gloomy and I just sort of repelled from it because I was like, oh, the world is so dark and gloomy. I can't really read that right now. Um, but I wonder, yeah, I think it's partly protection for people because it's, you know, especially with all the conversation around self-care and all of that stuff. But it is also, yeah, being yeah. able to break out. That's why the disruption thing is such a good exercise because it's almost like an activity where you're specifically going out of your um comfort zone you know oh i'm gonna do it for an hour every week and kind of read um the daily mail or whatever the sun um things that you might not necessarily or obviously loads of people read um but i might not necessarily read um and kind of if you've got the time allotted for that then you kind of do it as a practice so yeah yeah it's interesting. I was reading something yesterday about futures as well. And escapism is one of a, a big trend in the next kind of decade that more and more, I mean, it's already there, right? Like Bridgerton, Emily in Paris. <laughs> what is that if it's not escapism? Even my dad was obsessed with Emily in Paris, which really surprised me. Um, but these kind of, they might become more intelligent than that, these sort of fantasy worlds, but that's something that's not going to go around. So you can have those moments of escapism, but also have moments of like plugging in, um, yeah and disrupting mm, see i i almost and i just couldn't bring myself to do it bought uh pierce morgan's new book and i just because <laughs> he's obviously there's all this like bit anti-woke culture and uh i just thought oh, i don't want to give him any money but if yeah, i was quite annoying you to buy free, it yeah <laughs> like i almost feel like it's very ignorant of me to not because mm. he has such a an influence and a platform mm. and a voice and i almost feel like if i'm gonna try and tackle someone like him I need to understand his thought process and his reasoning but just not right now I don't feel like yeah anything else I can take it on at this moment in time while we're just trying to survive the pandemic maybe mm. in the future it is an interesting one though because it's like I I can't remember the author now off the top of my head but I'm reading this book on non-violent communication which is something M Rosenberg um, and it's all about like how you have conversations with people in your life, but also people you disagree with and like how you basically approach that with compassion and how it can kind of fuel these conversations that then lead to a much better place. So I think almost that disruption and kind of being able to read Piers Morgan's book and be like, where's he coming from and kind of how, how to, yeah, what's led him to feel that way is quite an interesting exercise um trying to take the emotion out of it as well so just reading and kind of observing and questioning rather than feeling angry or annoyed or being like how dare you think this has been quite interesting for us yeah i agree actually um and like allowing other people to have different opinions even if you find it really offensive and you're like how how could you but actually trying to to understand um and engage in conversation um, but I'm aware we're almost running yeah. out of time and uh, so yeah um, another question I have is is there any exciting projects for us to look out for in the future? Not sure the ones that we can talk about yeah but we do have a I think we yeah we do have a really exciting one but there's literally I don't think we can say anything okay. I, don't actually, I don't actually know what she's thinking. Um, the most exciting one Oh, right. Yeah. No, probably can't say <laughs> that. No, it's like teasing <laughs> us. Okay. That, okay. <laughs> You're I'm here soon. Come out in a few months. What, 
actually what we are doing at the moment which is exciting for us is we're kind of condensing all of so we work with sort of bigger brands on positioning story and tone but actually a lot of our community on our newsletter um and kind of people we know are smaller brands who um who probably don't have the budget or the time necessarily to do these big projects and so what we're doing at the moment and what we've already started doing is kind of um condensing the kind of everything we know into this sort of more workshop format so workshops and short stories um so that we can kind of work with smaller brands that we actually really love working with um and we've already started doing that but we're kind of working on um yeah presenting it more to the world like on our website and stuff so that's probably something you'll see um very soon and kind of our unique approach to workshops versus and like storytelling and that kind of thing versus um maybe traditional positioning workshops mm, that sounds really interesting i mean do you ever turn certain clients away that don't align with like your values or how you like to communicate yeah i think i we actually haven't i don't think we've got interest from anyone requests from anyone that you know we i don't know don't align with in terms of values um but we definitely for for really small startups it's sometimes i think before what we try to do is kind of try condense everything that we do for bigger clients into a project but it didn't really work for them or for us whereas now um what we're doing is this more sort of sprint style workshop and short story so that we can work with those smaller brands as we always those brands always have so many great ideas and kind of they're at the start of their journey. It's actually really fun for us to be able to have such an impact on their story and tone. And also they're usually people that really carry out because there's like one or two people on their team. So it's much easier for them to kind of onboard and get going with. Um, so it's really exciting for us to be able to work with them. And, but yeah, we've just kind of found a new way to do it. Whereas I think before we'd say no to small businesses or um, individuals quite a lot because we didn't really have the capacity to be doing what we do for bigger clients um, for them. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to go to the Q and A section. So um, thank you so much for answering most of my questions. Um, so let's see what we have. So Kieran has asked, um, as a designer trying to position myself as having copywriting skills, what would you suggest practicing every day? What are your favorite collaborative brainstorming techniques? Hmm. Um, I think you can, we publish lots of different writing prompts um, in our newsletter, the word, um, but they're, they're not, I think what is in quite in intimidating if you're practicing copywriting is being like, okay, I've got to write my brand's tagline, tagline or I've got to write the headline on a piece of copy. So I think if you can break those right bits of writing down and do it in ways that feel less scary so some of the things we suggest is write an out of office in your brand's tone of voice write a valentine's day card in your brand's tone of voice or a christmas card uh, write a note to a friend how would your brand wish someone a happy birthday um, or how would they say thank you try practicing in smaller ways and then work up to the kind of bigger stuff um, that's a good idea though kind of compiling lots of prompts together we'll have a think about that what was the second the other thing the, the other thing i was going to say is um i think with design um if you're doing like lots of design concepts and kind of creating packaging a 
good exercise would be to like write a little story about why you've done that in the brand tone of voice. Cause I think sometimes designers create, um, they'll be like, okay, these are the colors. These are the, um, this is the font. And almost the bit before it's like the strategy writing, which is kind of formal and quite stunted often like in design decks that we've seen. Whereas actually, if you could kind of absorb the brand tone of voice, come up with a little story of why you've chosen that um, font and kind of why the why behind the design and put that into a story which is in the brand tone of voice because I think usually designers put it in their tone of voice and then show the brand development whereas actually if you can put it into the brand tone of voice it kind of makes everything really cohesive and then kind of positions you, you as someone who understands design and copywriting um so kind of practicing writing entire decks essentially in the brand tone of voice not your tone of voice is something that we do quite a lot um, in terms of like collaborative brainstorming, I don't know if we have techniques for that. We, no. I think a lot of our brainstorms come off of workshops that we do with clients. So, um, all of the themes and ideas. So Kat, our project manager will kind of pull together the themes and ideas that were brought up in a workshop, um, and kind of the questions they've answered. And then all of us will almost like answer the questions as well, because in workshops, we're usually just listening, but in um, our sessions together will answer the questions and kind of think how they could develop those themes and stories. Um, but we do have a tool though. Miro, yeah, yeah, we use Miro to um, brainstorm those ideas. Um, and then I think our collaborative brainstorming is kind of our writing exercises and writing and editing each other's work, which is maybe harder if you're a freelancer. I don't know if you're, yeah. Going on to your newsletter again, because I know it's something that all the copywriters I know love reading. And um, is that something that you set out, as you said, when you first created your brand to make a really strong newsletter? How much work goes into it each time? So we had the, we always knew from the beginning that we wanted to have this culture of stories. And we started with the weekly interviews with um, writers and content creators. So we had that. And then when we came to, um, Kind of conceptualize the newsletter we were thinking about the kind of areas that we can have expertise in which were kind of strategy storytelling tone of voice we have an opinion or a review piece every week which is either kind of our opinion or a review of um someone else's uh a bit of writing advice a writing prompt the interview with someone from a brand um and then a, br a featured brand which is either a brand that's done something really cool or it could be a kind of case study um so we had a rough framework and it's also the kind of framework that we use to post on social um we sort of use similar pillars um but actually it's quite recently we've started theming the newsletters so last week's subject line was um brand positioning is our love language obviously because it was valentine's day week and kind of all the <laughs> content was about love um in various ways so a lot of work goes into it to answer that question um <laughs> kat kind of runs it and we sort of write bits of the opinion edit it together and then she compiles everything um but it's i think it's worth it and we're yeah but it is a, a big piece of work i also saw someone put a question in the chat I don't know if you saw, did you see that oh yeah sorry I thought yeah so it says I work as a marketeer copywriter in the corporate sphere for various reasons I want to work in creative brand writing when I'm interviewed for creative copywriters roles they also ask they always ask sorry why I can never think of any answer other than because I'm a creative writer and I'd like a creative role which isn't ever good enough any advice for articulating this more 
persuasively? That's a tough question. I'm trying to think what some people answered because we basically, I think that was our first question on our yeah. um, copywriting. I guess if someone's interviewing you and they're asking why they want to know what you can do for them rather than that you're just good at it. So we always say to brands, like make the customer the hero of your story rather than yourself. So I guess in this, in this case, you could flip it and be like, um, what I can do for you rather than just saying that you're good at something. And I would also try perhaps if you want to show that you're, I guess if it's a verbal answer, it's harder, but if you're writing it out, almost tell a story and make that quite creative when you're writing it, almost start telling a, a tale about a time words were really important and they, that you nailed them. And that shows that you can be creative and tell a story within your answer rather than just saying that you're good at it. Mm. Um, I was also going to say, I think it's, um, yeah, because I'm a creative writer and I'd like a creative role, as Kate said, it's kind of um, saying why you want it. But I think the reason why, well, it's almost like that thing about words are so important, but maybe in a corporate sphere, you're kind of limited a bit more by sort of, I feel like in the corporate world, there's often quite a lot of jargon, <laughs> sort of formal language, whereas in the creative sphere, you have much more sort of freedom and creativity to impact people with words and almost if you don't have any examples yourself I'd almost um use some examples of brands that have kind of um made such an impact with creative words and like why you love those campaigns that they did or why you love the copy that they did and how that kind of impacted the business as a whole because I think yeah when they want your copy to be able to influence the business and so it's like your power is the creative writing but actually how do you show that that's going to have this impact on the business? And it's all about like how powerful words are and kind of what they can encourage people to do. And then almost show an example of that, either that you've done or another person has done. So, you know, the Oatleys or anything like that. What's the water that I love? It's just the name. Liquid Death. Liquid Death. That's essentially kind of transformed a can of water into some like punk brand. Um, and got like all of this coverage for it so things like that that kind of um show why you think creative copy is so important for the business as a whole yeah that's really important because i think a lot of marketeers it's trying to to cross that bridge into copy and i know when i spoke to vicky ross and she was talking about you know writing pitch decks or is one thing but coming up with a strap line is something else mm. completely and, and crafting a tone of voice and a brand story so I guess what I always advise uh, creatives is almost come up with some examples of your potential of how you could do this and how you understand it. And, and that would really help them see you within that role, actually. And, and as you said, Emily, like showing like research and examples, and that would be a good way to try and maneuver mm. into that kind of role really so i think the people that show that they've kind of gone the extra mile are always the people that so some i think it was the copywriter <laughs> i think it was georgia um but had made like a deck of um her her cv was like a brand book so it really showed mm. us that she could write creative copy and kind of create things on her own or someone yeah someone else had like done a story their cv is like a story of their history as a creative copywriter or like even just you know taking taking out some copy from what they've done and kind of improving it and all of that type of stuff which shows real initiative and drive um because i think like 
yeah, I'm a creative writer and I'd like a creative role. It's just kind of about what you want, not about what you can bring to the company. Um, yeah, I think especially yeah. if you said, because you're moving from corporate into creative, they'd probably expect you to have a more corporate looking CV. But if you can kind of make it look more creative and be like, actually, this is what I've been working in, but it's not what I do and what I'm about. It's more this would be quite compelling. Mm. Definitely. And, and as you said, like going that extra mile in, in how you present yourself and just because that's been what you've done in the past, you can always work on your own self-initiated projects where you're creating um, tone of voice work or some really lovely stories and, and flexing your skills. And um, if you show like passion and enthusiasm for that is an area you really want to go into, then there'll probably be someone that will see that and potentially give you a chance as well. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, well, I just want to say thank you both so much for your time um, today. And, and I hope everyone that's joined us and tuned in has got a lot out of it as well. And um, so when's the um, project in the future going to be live? The one that's about? Uh, May, June. May, June. Okay. <laughs> Still Great. be able to share then. <laughs> um, but yeah. Thank you both. And Great. Thank you so thank you, much. Thank you, Nikki, for a really lovely conversation. Um, yeah, and everyone for joining. Yeah. And if anyone wants to hear more, sign up to our newsletter. The word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Signing <laughs> off. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Thank Thanks you. so much. Bye. Bye.